Thank you for listening to the Following Films Podcast. Today I'm joined by director Sam Jones to talk about his latest film, Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Fall Off, which is currently available on HBO and HBO Max. The film is centered around new interviews with Tony Hawk. The film is an all-encompassing look at the skateboarder's legendary career, life, and relationship with the sport, which he has been synonymous with for decades. Hawk, a pioneer of modern vertical skating, is still pursuing his limits at the age of 53 and remains one of the most influential skateboarders of all time. I had a great time chatting with Sam and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, really well. Um, I'm somebody who's big on gratitude. So I just want to start off by saying thank you. You've had a profound impact on my life in a way that I'm assuming there's a lot of people like me um, where I was, I'm 45, I'll be 46 this year. I was raised on kind of punk rock and hardcore music and kind of had a very limited scope of what I would take in in the world. And then I watched a documentary that you made about 20 years ago And it opened me up to music that I wouldn't have necessarily taken in because I would read articles and spin and see things that would say, this is the best album of the year. And I just really didn't have any interest in it. But then I, for whatever reason, decided to give your film a chance and just rented it and fell in love with Wilco. And literally on the way to work this morning, I heard uh, California Star. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. And I feel like that is the same way that I get into so many things and to, to have the privilege to make things that other people can find and, and open up paths. You you know, when I was in high school, I remember I I was so into the clash and then I read, Hey, I I read an interview with Joe Strummer and the interviewer asked, uh, what are you listening to? And he told, he said midnight oil and I had never heard of midnight oil. And so I just randomly just went out and bought a midnight oil record and became you know, a big fan of them. So I feel like that's one of the most beautiful things about um, loving what you do and and creating a community around what you do is you get to share the things you love and then they come back to you and you're inspired and you can inspire other people. So it's nice to hear. And there's something that's really beautiful about just sharing somebody else's work and saying, putting it out into the world and saying, this is something that I love and I, you need to just give it a shot and try it. Also. I, I, the one, the best job I ever had was working in a video store simply for recommending movies to people, just talking about bullshitting about movies all day and saying, Hey, check this out. And this, this is an extension of that, where I just want to turn people on to good films and your, your stuff falls in that category. And the, the one we're talking about today um, until the wheels fall off is something that I was apprehensive about to some degree when I first heard of the idea, because I thought this is pretty well tread territory. Um, you know, some, you watch the Gator documentary, watch Peralta's documentaries on Bones Brigade or, you know, uh, Dogtown and Z Boys and all these other films, just great films that have come along, even like the uh, Dwayne Peters documentary, they all touch on Tony Hawk's story, but then you never really dove into it. And my assumption um, was that you would be retelling some of these stories with perspective. And I thought that that's valid, you know, because the way that you look back at your twenties or your teens from a 30 year old perspective is much different than a 40 different from a 50. And I thought that's what it would be, but you did something wholly original with it. And I was actually really excited by that. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's, it's as much of a personal film as I'll ever make because um, this, you know, on a, on a much smaller scale, this was my life as well. And I was a, I was a competitive skater. I was in California amateur skateboard league. I was in castle, which Tony's dad also started before he wow. started the NSA. And so I competed at all these contests and, and was around the scene. Neil Blender was my best friend <laughs> for a time. Um, and the, you know, it was just my, I'm actually in the movie. I'm in the crowd at the Upland contest uh, with my very good friend at the time. So, you know, I, I definitely felt a kinship with Tony. I was a skinny, awkward kid. I got picked on a lot. I, I uh, sort of suffered a lot of abuse at the hands of kids who were more developed and, and more good at, you know, at, at social, uh, social behavior. And, uh, and so I, I think that Tony was always somebody that I had a, an affinity for. And, and so to tell his story is a lot of ways to tell my story because um, skateboarding, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for skateboarding. I discovered my creativity and my independence and and I found confidence through skateboarding that I never found in any other kind of sport or any other kind of pursuit that involved any sort of coordination or athleticism. And with skateboarding, I, I developed a confidence that, that allowed me to have something that was completely my own. And, and that's the story for me that, you know, Tony, Tony, developed a passion for something and that led to an identity which led to an entire life um and to me that's a, that's a noble heroic uh pursuit and and worthy of hanging on to and and so you know uh, this is always going to be a film that yes there's been skate films and there's been stories like this but um this was going to be personal for me and and I'm glad I made it now and not 20 years ago when I didn't know as much about my own craft because um, I, I owed it. I owed it to the film and to Tony's story, you know, to, to have my own life experience before I got there. Well, it's, you're able to get a sense of perspective on it. And half of the story is everything, the kind of areas that we were somewhat familiar with to some degree, but really the big part of the story, the large portion of this is, everybody that he's been, everything he's been through in the last 10 years, not just mm -hmm. everything that we knew about before. And that's really the emotional crux of the story. And, you know, the, the way that you frame this in a lot of ways is really just him. To me, it's encapsulated by his relationship with Dwayne Peters. I think you can really boil it down to that relationship that we is utterly relatable where you have love for something but you still feel like an outsider and the people that are there are protecting it from you. And it's just who can't relate to that on some level, whether it's sports or, you know, film or skateboarding, anything that you're into, there will be that sense of competitiveness to some degree. Yeah. And, and I think it's a testament to Tony and what he's done for skateboarding that kids now don't have to run the gauntlet that we had to run back then. Uh, you go to a skate park now and you'll see it's full with, with inclusivity in, in the best way there's yeah. people of every race and gender and uh they it's such an inclusive activity and that's because of tony and, and skateboarding would not be in the olympics or in the x games and that we wouldn't have skate parks all over the world if it wasn't for his relentless desire to 
champion the sport and be an ambassador. And it is interesting to have Dwayne in the movie because Dwayne shows us that there was a time when, you know, this was such an outsider sport and, and you, as funny enough, as outsiders, it was, you still had to go through that same crap that you did in high school where the football players were going to beat up on you if you weren't like them, or you were going to get, you know, the towel snapped you at the locker room in the locker room. Yep. And uh, it was a different time, but it took, it took a lot of emotional um, intelligence and learning for us as a, as a species to understand how. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So after this conversation, I went into Bookman's in search of something with a little bit of social commentary. But whenever I'm looking for something a little bit headier like that, I tend to gear or tend to lean more towards satire. Something uh, with a tongue firmly implanted in its cheek makes the medicine go down a little bit easier. And so when I was walking around in the fiction section, I came across A Confederacy of Dunces. And it's a great novel. Um, if you haven't read it, it's by John Kennedy Toole and I believe it was published in 1980 and this was 11 years after Toole's suicide. Uh, when the book was first released it was a cult classic and then it gained mainstream success and eventually it earned Toole a posthumous Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1981 and is now considered canonical work of modern literature of the southern United States. Other novels on that list include The Color Purple, To Kill a Mockingbird, Tobacco Road, and Up With Slavery. So it's definitely amongst the great novels. Uh, the title refers to an epigram from John Swift's essay, Thoughts on Various Subjects, Moral and Diverting. It goes like this. When a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. The book's protagonist, uh, Ignatius J. Riley, is an educated but lazy 30-year-old man living with his mother in the uptown neighborhood of the early 1960s New Orleans, who in his quest for employment has various adventures with color, uh, the colorful French Quarter characters. Uh, our protagonist is overweight, unemployed, 30-year-old with a degree in medieval history. And as I mentioned, he lives with his mother. And so he spends his entire existence in utter loathing of the world around him. He's pretty much the embodiment of Twitter. If it was personified, if that cesspool was turned into a human, it would be Ignatius Riley. He that, has that much contempt for the world. Um, and the thing about this novel is that it's not only a commentary of the South and these characters at this time, but really it's a, care, a, a commentary on the world we live in today. And I think that's why this is considered a classic, why people continue to revisit this novel year after year, and it's only gained in popularity. If you haven't read it, definitely seek it out. And in fact, when I was in Bookman's, they had several copies of it. So if you want to go down to Bookman's, there's a good chance that they will have a copy of A Confederacy of Dunces there for you. Because remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. You know, how, how terrible it is for a kid to, to not feel included or, or to not have their community and find their community. And, and Tony and I both found it at the skate park and at the backyard ramps and at the skate spots and the ditches and stuff. We found a community of people who were like-minded and maybe were more creative and allowed us in and, and everybody has to find that in their own way. Um, so to me, that, that 
that's a very important distinction. And I'm glad that you noticed that that Dwayne ha- has sort of a, a different role than, than it looks like on the surface of the film. Well, and it's, it's also this sense of community, which is something that was deep, deep, deep in the skate community where it was people finding a family outside of their own family to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it was that support and I, that you find. And I think we all kind of do that at that age when you're, you know, first entering puberty and then into your teenage years where you kind of need to find your tribe and your identity. And it could just be, a haircut that you're trying on for a couple of weeks, the music you're listening to, the whatever that thing is, it could be the football team that you're identifying as. And it's really just to find a, it's giving you scaffolding to find yourself in the end, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about this. I think that this is really a film about self-exploration and it's him coming into himself in these last couple of years, which is his real arc. Yeah. And I, and I think that uh, him, him, realizing how to do this on a global level in terms of being an an ambassador to skateboarding, but then also him learning how to be the father that in his generation and and his particular relationship with his own kids uh, will be his, his legacy that he passes on and, and, uh, you know, processing the example that his father gave him, you know, a way I I think it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I interviewed Riley Hawk, his son, and, uh, and there are big gaps in Riley's knowledge of his dad's earlier years because he wasn't there. And there are big gaps in my knowledge of my own father that unfortunately no one is making a documentary about my father. And I, I can't go back and see footage and film of, of that, but you know, it's interesting to, to do the work and, and share, share that history in a way that younger generations can can learn from it. And the thread that goes from Tony's father to him and then, and then to his son and hopefully to his son's son, uh, eventually, um, that's, that's one of the interesting byproducts of making a documentary like this. When you, when you really want to get to know somebody, you, you also, you allow other people to know them. Are, do you have a family? Are you a dad? Do you have kids? I'm a dad. I have three, three girls. Yeah. Okay. I, I assumed as much just because it feels as a dad, father of two, it feels that sense of fatherhood is very much a part of this story. And the idea of you, when you think you're doing a good job and then in with perspective, you realize the things that you've fallen short of the ways that you fucked up. And it's that I, you owe it to yourself when you're a parent to look back and question every decision you make um, without, you know, completely stifling forward momentum. We have to worry about how we're fucking up our kids every day, I think. And there's just such an honesty in this. And it's really, I think people that don't give a shit about skateboarding could watch this and just the idea of parenthood and the way that this is so much a part of it. Yeah. And and I think that that, that was on my mind. I knew the skaters were going to watch this film, but I really wanted to connect to people who didn't necessarily, they weren't on the inside. uh, And I wanted to connect on a more universal way. And, and I think that, that whole idea of we can never be in the same generation as our kids. And when our kids are a certain age, it's impossible to make them understand that we've been there or that, that we have some experience in certain areas. And, you know, to be a kid and to know, I knew Frank Hawk when I was a kid and I saw him as an authority figure and someone who wanted to take away everyone's good time. And it was easy to hate Frank Hawk, like we say in the film, but it's kind of heartbreaking to, to watch 
that interview that we dug up of Frank, where he is saying that we, you know, when we come to a contest, we're strangers because I don't want to yeah. think, I don't want the crowd to think I'm giving Tony an advantage. And what you realize is that he loved his son so much that, and, and was so aware of how fleeting that time is when our kids live at home and they're forced to be in the car with us and spend time with us. Um, that he was going to sort of do anything and take any amount of crap in order to have a relationship with his son. And, you know, more than messing up our kids or uh, wondering how, you know, what we screwed up on. I I think what, what I wanted to say in this film about fatherhood was that if you put in the time um, you will, you will, you will infuse your children with the knowledge of, of, that that is the most important thing for a relationship of all is you put in the time and you, and you show love by, by showing up and, uh, and his dad did. Yeah. That that's all you can do. Um, because when I think back of the things that I want to improve upon and using my parents as an example of things that I could do right, things I could do wrong. It's those moments when, I reached out and my parents were too busy for something. And, you know, that idea, I understand that from both sides now. And it's something that I call into question whenever they ask me to do something. You're right. It's fleeting. And to just, you know, how important is that thing I need to do? Do, Should I just sit down and read for a half hour with them? Probably. That's, that's probably should take priority. Absolutely. But thank you so much for giving me your time today to talk about this. And I I genuinely appreciate it. And um, I'm a big fan of your work. And yeah, this is a great film that I definitely know people are going to, it's going to resonate with people beyond just the skate community. Uh, Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I hope you have a great day. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.